it's out of God's strength and out of our weakness. Like, we don't do anything. It's, it's all God. And I don't know about you, but I, I had this week where Amanda and I were just like this emotional week. It's been a roller coaster the last few, few weeks. And Kelsey's not with us. She had surgery. She had her tonsils taken out. She's having a rough morning this morning. Keep her in your prayers. And it's like having a newborn. We're up with her every three hours. And um, I had to give her some stronger pain medicine this morning just to kind of help her get through um, all of that. On top of that, we got a, I got a text from my oldest daughter said, graphic warning. And I was like, wait, what's this text going to be? And she sings a picture of her knee, and it's like gaping huge. And she had wrecked her dirt bike. And it's um, had this huge cut on her leg. And, of course, she's in Arizona, and so we can't go be with her or comfort her. And so she's, and so it's just all over the place this week and the last couple of weeks. And as I sit down to look at the sermon this morning, I said, well, it's, it looks like kind of the way things have been. It's kind of all over the place. And so pray for me. Uh, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And so I'm praying that it all comes together <laughs> this morning. Um, but I'm excited to let you know what God has put in his word and as we continue in Colossians. We're in chapter 2 uh, now, if you want to turn your Bible. If not, we'll have that up on the screen for you. Uh, last Sunday, I haven't got the sermon loaded online yet, but if you, had, wasn't, if you weren't here, watch for it this week. I'm going to load it. Um, but we talked about where Paul pointed out that truth, divine truth, is in Jesus, right? There may be truth and theories and arguments that are plausible in this world, but real truth and divine truth is, is in Jesus, in Jesus, in the Word. The Word became flesh. The Word and the truth is Christ. And so we looked at that. This week, I've titled this sermon, Truth Over Tradition. Now, tradition may be something that you've passed down from generation to generation in in your family, in our country, whatever it may be, but it's also information that's passed down from one person to the next, one generation to the next. And so, here we're going to look at truth over tradition, And I may challenge you, and I hope that I do, challenge you in some of your thoughts on tradition versus truth. And the big picture here is that Paul is writing to the church, telling them to be careful about this false doctrine that's being taught in the church by the Gnostics. Gnostics versus um, agnostic means we know it all, this is what you should believe, and there's some false teaching within the church, and Paul is warning them about that and how to look to Christ. And so we're going to be looking at that. Also this week, if you follow the news, there was a news, uh, there was some news that was going on this week that I know captivated myself, captivated the country, I know my kids were talking about it, and that was the submarine, right, the Titanic submarine. Anyone not know what I'm talking about? Anyone not know? So everyone knows. That's, it's testament to this captivation of the story of these five guys who go down into a submarine two and a half miles deep to go and explore the Titanic. They paid like $250,000 
a seat to go down. And as you know, we heard that they lost communication and we were in suspense for days, right? About what had happened with these individuals. I noticed, and Natty said he had posted something on TikTok or something about kind of a joking way. And a lot of people liked it. Some people were like, that's rude. I saw, um, like, the Babylonian bee had said afterwards, after they found out that it imploded and what happened, they kind of made a joke about, it's a huge discount now to go in the submarines or something. And there's all these comments about, that's so rude, you shouldn't say that. But I'd be like hearing these jokes and I'm thinking, what is going on? And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, it's kind of like making light of something that was just terrible. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even like look at the news articles because it, I think because it put me in their place. Like I could picture myself stuck in this submarine with no hope of rescue, we're two and a half miles down. There's nothing that's going to be able to come and get us and and bring us up. They didn't have like a a tether line or safety line or anything like that. And I was just beginning to think like, what are they thinking of? What's going through their minds? I didn't want to think about that, but it was just overwhelming. I had to almost think about it. And I think that's what captivated the country is that they put themselves in that position. Like, what would I do? What would I be thinking if I knew I only had a couple of days left? And I don't know, because I've never been in a submarine like that. And we do pray for their family. We pray for all of the, the loved ones and their family. Such a terrible thing. I remember when I had my near-death experience, and they woke me up to say, hey, you need to tell your wife goodbye, Amanda, and knew that I may not make it, and when, when I woke up from surgery, I was in the hospital for 10 days, kind of touch and go, <clears throat> but I was faced with that reality, and I remember the two things that I thought about. I, I literally thought of nothing else. I didn't think about my house, my car, my savings account. None of that came across, even came close to my thought process. My thought was all on my family, my friends, and God. But more specifically about God was what I believed in my heart of heart about God, about Jesus and my standing with God. Like that bit of truth that I knew at the time was near and dear. It was like what I held on to. And it was the most important thing that I have. And I believe here that Paul is saying, you got to know the truth of who Jesus is. You got to know it. You got to know the details. You got to believe it in your heart, the gospel. Because there's a time that's coming in your life where you're going to lean, lean on that. Lean on that. So Colossians 2, let's look at that. Colossians 2, 6 through 16. I'm going to read it. Maybe stop and pause a few times. We're going to read through it and we're going to circle back. Colossians 2, 6 through 16. Therefore, Paul just said, hey, because your faith in Christ. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Doesn't mean stop. Doesn't mean go backwards. It doesn't mean run or sprint. It just says, hey, walk 
in him and the truth that you know, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were atop, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? Starting with our salvation. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according, and not according to Christ. And here he's saying, put Christ above everything. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. A head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Right? We're still celebrating Nick's baptism. That he, as he put his faith and trust in Christ, that he, was, he died and the new person was born. He was reborn, right? Nicodemus, like, what do I need to do? You need to die and be reborn. That's a symbolism of dying and being reborn, baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together. With him, your believer in Jesus, you are alive with Christ, spiritually alive, having forgiven us all our trespasses. It didn't say some, did it? It's all. All our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross says king of Jews what Jesus was charged with but he also what was nailed to that cross was your iniquities your your sin he verse 15 disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him and lastly verse 16 therefore it's another therefore because of all that we just read therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. <laughs> Let no one judge you. So what I would like to do, truth over tradition. I'm going to give you a pop quiz. Everyone ready for a pop quiz? That's like the, the scariest thing you could hear, right, in, in school. All right. All papers away, all pencils away. We're going to have a pop quiz. Like, that's the scariest thing. Like, this one's not going to be, this one's not going to be great. It's just going to be on you. But there's going to be two, quiz, the two, two questions on this pop quiz. I want to see how well that you do. So in verse 9 through 10, we see that Jesus is not 50% human and 50% God. He is 100% deity. He was 100% human while he was here on earth. But he is 100% God. We see that here in the scriptures. In verse 13, we see the Bible says, "...and you who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcised your flesh, God made alive together with him." having forgiven all of our trespasses. Verse 14, it says that he has canceled all of your debts. Okay? So it's hard to give you a test without giving you some basic information. 
right? As a military instructor, we said we never will test you or question you on anything we've never taught you before. So we're looking at what the Word of God says here. And he's saying here that all of your debts have been canceled. That the, law of Mo- the law of Moses, Ten Commandments, the law in the Old Testament, can only condemn you, that's your debts, that you have sinned. And if you read the Old Testament, you will say, hey, I've blown it. Like, I see all this stuff. I've blown it as a human being. God's not going to be happy with me. But Paul in the New Testament, he says that the law of God in the Old Testament is a tutor that points us to the need for Jesus. The law was fulfilled in Christ. So I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I come for a new covenant, the covenant, the grace of God in Jesus. Verse 10. I want to read that to you real quick. Verse 10. I need glasses these days, I think. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Other translations. You have been made complete, complete in him. There is now nothing lacking. Other translations. You are now complete. I'm going to go outside of Colossians, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, how, how have you been saved through God's grace, through faith in Jesus, and that it is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Okay, so now we have the basis. Now here's the question. To be saved, to have right standing with God, don't be offended. It's all right, we're a family. Do you have to remember the books of the Bible from the beginning to the end in order and be able to recite them? Do you need a volunteer at VBS? Yes, good question. No, you don't have to volunteer. We want you to, if God leads you. We're praying for you that you would feel that way. But you don't have to. You have to be a good person. Be a good person. You have to know the difference between eschatology, ecclesiology, and hermeneutics. You have to. You hope not. I hope not. You always have to follow the law as described in the Old Testament. Now, so I ask, what do you think? What is... What is tradition versus what is truth? What, what do you have that you've been taught or that's been handed down to you, just as Paul is warning some of the things that are being taught in the church, that's been handed down to you that's tradition and not truth? So last, last test. We... We live and we're taught that you do good, good things will happen to you. You do bad, bad things will happen to you. It's kind of like, it's karma. We call it, we call it karma. And if somebody's a jerk and they like stub their toe or something, like we, we laugh and we're like, ha ha, I knew it was going to finally get you. It's karma. And we think it's hilarious because we don't like the person because they're a jerk or something all the time. It's like you do bad things and bad things are going to happen to you. 
And generally, like, if you do bad things, like, sometimes things aren't going to work out for you, for sure. If we want to make people happy, we have to be nice to them, right? Those are the, some of the things that we, we think, and those aren't bad in, in and of themselves. But where is the grace of God in that? Where, where does our thinking include the grace of God? We just read about that in Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved. How does that challenge your thinking? I can say, and, and hopefully I'm in good company here, that I'm a sinner. I do things, I think things that I shouldn't, and it's sinful, and I have guilt about it later. And One thing outside of God's grace is we could, in that situation, say, well, God's just, he's angry at me. He, he's angry. Bad things are going to happen to me. Or tomorrow, hey, I'm really doing good today. Like, I, I don't really feel like I've sinned that much or I haven't done anything. I've been nice to everybody and it's a good day. And so God must be happy. God must be happy with me. And yes, when we sin, God wants us to take it to him. And he's our heavenly father who loves us and he's just and righteous to forgive us of our sins. But our standing and, and God loving us is based off of his grace and his grace alone and our faith in Christ alone. And until you can rest in that and believe in that, I believe that you will never overcome your struggles. I can try as hard as I can to overcome my struggles. But until I rest in that God is satisfied with me because of his grace and my faith in Christ and the works of Christ that he did, and I walk, as Paul says, with Christ, and I say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help to do that. And I understand that God's not angry with me. He's not punishing me. And when I can rest in that and understand my standing, then God changes my heart. Amen. That's how it works. But sometimes we forget that and we depend upon ourselves and not depend upon God. When it says you are saved by God's grace and faith in Jesus alone, that is it. Your relationship with God and how he relates to you, the standard in which he sees you by, is his freely given grace to you alone. That's it. So you may say, well, what is this grace that you're talking about? It is God chooses to bless you versus curse you when you're an undeserving sinner. I, I use this illustration that if you left here today after church and you go out and you see somebody, they broke, they're breaking your window and they're stealing your purse, your wallet, and you're like, hey, get back here. And they turn around, they come back, and they say, it's, you say, it's, it's all right. Here, I got 40 bucks in my wallet. Here you go. Have a good day. That's grace. 
It, this person did not deserve it. They clearly committed the crime. That's the same way with you and I. Like We don't deserve God's grace. We didn't earn it. We didn't do anything for it. But God freely gives it to us. Those that seek him, that want a relationship with him, Come to the end of yourself. You are weak. He is strong. You're a sinner. He is holy. You want to be made right with God. You admit your weakness. God's grace is free. Traditions should be challenged. Not to say we should, traditions are good, right? Traditions are good. I read about a village in India, and they've almost kind of stopped this, but they still do it from time to time. It's like if you, as a, a, with a newborn baby, if you trust God enough, you go to like this temple, and the temple workers will take the baby up 30 feet in the air, and the temple workers will hold a sheet down below, and you throw the baby on the sheet. It's like that's your way of showing that you trust God. It's like, okay, some traditions we should probably, probably read think a little bit that's that's not a good that's not a good tradition verse 8 I'm going to hit on this just for a second Paul says see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceits according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ here he's saying do not be deceived and he's saying that that to put the truth of Jesus, the truth of the Bible, the truth of God over anything that the world teaches, right? Truth over theology, or theology over truth. What the world teaches us to be truth. That theology, that the word of God is always over what the world is teaching us. And here, this false doctrine, again, is the Gnostics. And we are not really totally clear on exactly all the things that Paul was against, this false teaching. Because a lot of times, Paul, he just talks about Jesus. As we just read, who we are in Christ. The free gift that we have of eternal life because of Christ and who he is. That he is 100% deity. That he nailed our sins to the cross. And you've probably heard the analogy before about a bank teller. Like they don't give a bank teller a bunch of fake notes, a bunch of fake bills. They give them the real thing, have them study with magnifying glass and learn all that there is to about it so they can spot the fakes. The same thing here. To know all there is about who Jesus is so you can spot the fakes when they come. Theology over the world's truth. And I also want to warn you, just like the Gnostics, that this world will try to teach you and try to have, for you to have allegiance with all kinds of things. I love our country. I served our country. I have a flag on, our, on my porch. It flies all the time. 
But above all of that is my identity in Christ. He's first. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That I follow Jesus first and foremost. This world tries to teach us to put our identity in sexuality, to put our identity in politics, to put our identity in all kinds of crazy things. Jesus, he said, you got to pick up your cross and you got to follow me. You got to put me first. Your identity is in me. We are, the Bible just says, you are in Christ. In him, you are made perfect. Your first and foremost identity and allegiance is to following Jesus, the God of the universe. In verse 16, it says, Therefore, therefore it is again, therefore let no one pass judgment on you. I remember um, being in the army as a young guy, and um, there was a like our older older guy there that was kind of running our platoon, and he was a Christian, but he I mean he was so strong about it, like he would never listen to anything other than Christian music, which was fine. Like I like Christian music, I listen to Christian music all the time, but I also listen to a lot of other things. But he was like judging people in our platoon for not listening to Christian music. Like, if there was any other music playing, he's like, turn it off, I don't listen to Christian music. But I'm thinking, man, what? He's judging everyone. Like, why would you judge people for what type of music they're listening to? Like, that's just terrible. That's just such a terrible, terrible witness. Because it could go like the world can judge us, but we as Christians can judge other people. And, and, And at that time, Paul was saying, don't let these Gnostics who were following the Old Testament stuff, the legalistic stuff, don't let them tell you about what you drink or don't drink or eat or don't drink or this feast day that you keep or not this feast day or what Sabbath day that you keep or any of those things. Don't let them judge you on that. Paul says, this man here, he may, ju- he may think that this day is the Sabbath. This is the day that I want to rest and to honor God and glorify God. To somebody else, they may say, I want to do that every day. Let everyone be convicted in their own heart on what they want to do in that regards. Let each be persuaded in his own mind. Because legalism is dependent upon yourself. And the grace of God is dependent upon God. Top of that, verse 6 through 7. Therefore, you are complete in Christ. Your status in Jesus is to be enjoyed and not to be achieved. Your status with God through Christ is to be enjoyed, not to be achieved. Again, the Titanic sub it captivated our hearts and our minds as we put ourselves in their place. Again, I was taken back to, I had gotten out of the hospital, I would recovered, and went back to work after a long time, still very, very weak, and the office wanted to take me to lunch to celebrate me coming back. 
It's like, I didn't know you guys liked me that much, but okay. And we go to lunch, and I was just overwhelmed with what had happened with me to a point where I was like, I can't go through this lunch without telling you something. Every single person here. I said, you have got to know what you believe and why you believe it. About eternity, about God. I said, not just you believe something, but no, why you believe it. And that's what overcome me with the, the people on the sub. I'm like, do they know truth? Because that's all you lean on at that time in those situations. It's what you know about God. And to me, it makes me want to share the hope that I have with others more. It makes me want to pray for those that, that don't have the free gift of eternal life that I have, the relationship that I have with Jesus, the knowledge of the gospel that I have, it makes me want to pray more that God would open their eyes to that. And I pray that it does for you as well. Jesus, he, as we read, he died on the cross, that our sins were nailed to the cross, that the innocent Jesus took our punishment He went to the cross. He was ridiculed. He was spit on. He was tormented. They gambled over his stuff at the foot. People left him. His beard was ripped out. He was whipped. All for you and for me. All so that we would know the truth. That when we come face to face with death, that we are going to spend eternity somewhere, either in heaven with, with Jesus or in hell in torment, that, that we would know the truth of the gospel of Jesus. That he did that for you and for me. So that we would have hope, so that we would know the truth. Tradition says to be a good person. That's what our country, that's what, our, what you hear all over the place. It says, what do you need to do to be right with God? What do you do, need to do to, be, to go to heaven? And everyone, a lot of people says, I need to be good. I need to be good. And the truth is, is that the only way to heaven is through the grace of God, through faith in Jesus alone. Through our weakness. That is the truth. That is the truth. So I pray today as we're wrapping up and Mitchell's going to come up here and lead us in another song. Um, I pray today that we all know truth. And that it sets us free, as the Bible says. Truth of who Jesus is. Truth that the grace that we have received from God is a free gift. We don't deserve it. It's all because of Jesus, because of God that he loves us. So much that he would send his son Jesus to die for us. If you've never heard that before, if it's just sinking in today, or if the truth of of God has propelled you to say, I want to pray more for 
my neighbors and my friends to know this truth. I want to, I want to pray with you now. I want to pray as a church um, that whatever God is teaching you in this moment, through his word and this study of Colossians, um, that you would be obedient to whatever God's calling you to do, um, that you would share it with somebody else for accountability. Um, so our salvation is based on our faith alone. But Jesus says, hey, walk with me. Walk with me. Follow my commandments. Put your allegiance with me. Do what I ask you to do. Out of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Lord, I pray through your word, whatever whatever you wanted each and every person here today to know about you, I pray it sinks into their heart. I pray, Lord, that we know your son, Jesus. We understand your grace so much that we, when we see falsehood, when we see false doctrine, when we see things that this world is trying to teach us, it's not truth. I pray, Lord, we recognize it so quickly as, as false. Because, Lord, our hope and our joy and our purpose and our meaning and our, and our allegiance, it all comes from your son, Jesus. Lord, that this world and our lives pass away quickly and there are people out there who do not know the truth. They're being led astray by the philosophies and the false teachings, plausible arguments of this world. So Lord, help us and give us the words to say. Point people to your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray we see our friends and our family and our neighbors as those that are in that submarine who have no way of knowing the truth unless somebody tells them. There's no possible way that they would know. Help us, Lord, to be those messengers of the good news. Help us to be the light. Help us to look like, to talk like, to walk like, to sound like, to smell like Jesus. Religion is not attractive, but Jesus is. Let us know him and follow him so closely that we are his disciples, that we are just like him. Lord, he drew the crowds by the thousands. Help us, Lord, to be like that. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, let us worship you and all God's people say.